Hi, we're Shannon and Jerry Arner. And our dog, Betty White. Your hosts of the Arner Adventures podcast. Could we have named it something more creative? Probably. But it's the name of our blog. It's our last name. We're on an adventure. Yada, yada, yada. After running our own business, working 24-7. And don't forget a mental breakdown in between. We made a lifestyle change and decided to make the most out of life. We sold our house, most of our belongings, downsized, and moved to the coast. We live life minimally, but fully. We live each day as an adventure. This show will help you learn how to live life more fully, with more intention, by experiencing more, and with less stuff. We'll talk about our own experiences, interview others who have much to share by creating a spark in our lives. Some days we'll share real life ongoings of what we're going through, and others will talk about our favorite flavor of waffle. Come join our adventure. It's, it's the, the Arner Adventures, Adventures Podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Shannon. Betty White is sitting here with me. Jerry is not. He is under the weather, but Betty White and I are holding it down, and we are back for episode 83 of the Arner Adventures podcast. This is going to be a little different. Of course, Jerry's not here, and I don't have a guest, so this will be a first for the Arner Adventures podcast of me. Well, I say solo, but you know, Betty White is here beside me, so she would not really like it if I said solo. Solo in the sense of it's not me and Jer, but he is definitely getting better. No worries. He just, his he's very clogged and his voice is kind of gone. Um, I think he just got kind of a little bug while we were traveling, but he is on the mend and everything is going to be a-okay. We got to keep this train on the tracks. So here we go. Well, per usual, we're going to start out with our review of the week. And this week's review comes from Shay Lona or Shay Lana. I'm not sure, but Shay says, after each episode, I feel like I want to go and live the life that I am truly meant to live. It's a weekly reminder that we are all here for more than just working and worrying. Preach on Shay. Don't I need to hear that? I mean, thank you so much for the review. Um, I agree with you that when people are on the show, I definitely feel the same way. I'm like, gosh, what a great reminder. So, uh, for if, if our solo episodes are just me and Jared, the same way for you, we love that. It means the world to us to hear that. It means the world to us to hear any feedback. So if you would like to support us and our endeavors with this podcast, please leave us a five-star reviewer rating wherever you're listening to us on, you know, whether it's, I don't know, Apple or Spotify, or I think there's a lot of them. <laughs> so however you're listening to us on, please do us a solid and leave us a five-star review rating. It definitely does help serve us up to other people who may enjoy the same kind of content you're listening to. So we really appreciate it. Today's podcast, I'm going to, you know, it, it was just me. So I'm just like, you know, what can we do? What can I address? And so I thought since Jerry is not on this one, I would take some time to go through some Q and A's that we've received. And, you know, gosh, these are some that I've sort of compiled over the last six months or so. Some of them we've definitely addressed, but they keep coming up. So it just means, you know, somebody didn't hear us talk about it on an episode. Um, I'm going to just make them short and sweet, not unless they need a little depth, but we'll just see. Um, we answer them for the most part. When you guys message us or send us an email, we go ahead and just answer it. But sometimes when we get the same questions and the same topics, we jot it down thinking, well, maybe we'll address this on a future podcast or maybe, um, I don't know, maybe it's a blog topic. I'm not sure, but 
we also just asked recently in the Instagram stories for you all to send some questions. So we're just going to go through them right now. Like no, no formal thing. We're just going to go through. The first one is how did you both decide to embrace minimalism as a lifestyle? That's a big question. And it definitely needs more. <laughs> it definitely needs more of an explanation than just, we just did it. Um, long story short, if you haven't heard this before, you might want to go back and listen to our, I think it's maybe the first episode. It's either the first three, one of the first three episodes of why we sold everything and moved to the coast. Um, we owned our own business. We were completely burned out, super burned out. It was definitely taking effect on our health and our physical health and mental health. And we just lived a very different life. And we, we just bought stuff to feel like we were filling some kind of a void or making ourselves feel better. And it did not. And one day we just realized we needed to purge. I mean, the, the really, the thing is, is we really just purged and we both decided in that, you know, we, I think we both were, are really into the minimalist lifestyle. We had talked about it before. We, Jerry and I can be very different in so many ways, but we're very similar in others. And neither of us are really, um, especially at this point in our life, attached to things, you know, with everything we went through with our business and loss and, and different things like that. We just decided life and the experiences we were missing out on were more important than the things. So that's the short end of it. It definitely helped our men mental and physical health. So we're glad that we did embrace minimalism. Uh, I do think that we were both on board. I am definitely more of someone who can just purge right now. Jerry needs a little bit more time. But, you know, he the mindset is still there and it's the same. So how did we do it? We just did it, you know. Uh, the number two question is what happened with going the tiny home route? Yeah. You know, all of this sort of started was when we sold our house, we were going to move into a tiny house and live on the ocean in a tiny house. And we were going to different uh, tiny home festivals and meeting with tiny home builders and all of that. And it really came down to, we did move into a very tiny home, but not the tiny home category. It was about 500 square feet. And we just decided that was how we were going to live. And it was a great way to sort of break in to the tiny living lifestyle. But the reason we did not go the tiny home route is that we really, at least at this point in our lives, wanted, want to live in Beaufort. And Beaufort, North Carolina does not allow tiny homes in the, in this, in the town district, the city district, like what is considered the town. So we're not ruling it out. We're just right now, not, not there. We live in a home now that's about 750 square feet, still small, but definitely not, not tiny home. So nothing really happened to that route. We may even still be on it. We never say never, but we definitely don't want anything larger than what we have for sure. Uh, next question. Are you going to create a more in-depth declutter challenge? So some of you who have gone through our declutter, declutter challenge each year. I think we, we always did the minimalist game, like the minimalists um, have a game at the beginning of the year, the 30 day minimalist challenge. We used to always do that and share that. But then we just decided that we would create our own challenge. It's a 30 day declutter challenge. And it is definitely easy bite-sized tasks to do each day. And 
a lot of you've gone through it and we have received that question a lot, you know, okay, what's next? And we have considered doing a more in-depth declutter challenge to, you know, uh, go through other things that you can sort of extend that and help reduce the clutter in your home as well as mental clutter, because that is such a thing. So we are thinking about creating it. If we do go that route, we'll probably launch it in January because right now we're going through the challenge again, the declutter challenge again. We're in July and, you know, we talked about in another episode that this stuff just adds up. So yeah, we would, we would love to do that. And we're excited that you guys are interested in that. And we've received a few of those questions. So that's super exciting. Okay. Uh, next question. What was the business that you owned before your big lifestyle change? We get this question a lot. We uh, owned a professional pet sitting. The difference between us and other quote unquote pet sitters is that we staffed um, and trained folks who uh, were vet techs. They could do um, sub Q fluids. They could do injectables. And but we had more of a medical um, need client base. So most definitely we we had dog walkers. We contracted with some apartment buildings and just, you know, was their, their primary dog walker for lunch visits for their residents. Uh, but the, the biggest thing that made us different was that we were sort of like a home health and hospice in a way for pets so that they could stay in their own home when their owners were out of town. So as you can imagine, it grew very fast and grew very large you work 24 seven and we were burned out. I think there's so many people who have great businesses, great uh, passion projects, things that really help them thrive because they're doing something we love that they love. We did too. But at the end of the day, the business was very straining. We learned a ton from that whole experience. I started it when I was in college as a, as a dog walker. And it just grew through the years and then became an award-winning professional pet sitting business on a national level. So we were very proud of it. We were ready to walk away. So we're um, thankful that it, everything worked out the way that it did. And yeah, that was, that was the business. Whenever we talk about how we owned our business and burned out, fizzled out, uh, that was it. We just... There's a lot of compassion fatigue that comes with the pet industry. You'll hear it a lot from veterinarians, um, anyone who does rescuing. There's just a lot of compassion fatigue. And, you know, hindsight is 2020. If I could go back, I would have maybe dealt with that a little bit better. But everything happens for a reason, right? Uh, the next question is, how do you rationalize brand partnerships and collaborations with your minimalist lifestyle? I love this question. So you may or you may not know that running a blog, podcast, uh, content creation costs money. So blog posts, which we love, and, uh, and even content creation take a great deal of time and effort. So it is a labor of love. We love it so much. We had no intentions of this becoming something that was a business, but as we grew and our community grew and our website grew, we organically partnered with brands that we use. 
and that we, you know, we're more interested in, in sharing with people. So supporting those businesses and those brands that aligned with our lifestyle, it sort of created these beautiful partnerships and we've loved sharing them and connecting readers and social media followers to these businesses. So most often they are, they are small businesses, they're entrepreneurs. Uh, a lot of times they might, may not be, for example, I'll just use Schwinn as a partner who is, yeah, they're not a small business, but we really align with their values. Their values align with ours. We pride ourselves on our decisions and purchases of quality over quantity. And so when we mention or, or talk about a product or a service or create content around it, or sometimes we just talk about it and have no content surrounding it, it is one that creates a spark in our life, much like the guests on this show. And we, we know that when we talk about those businesses or collaborate with a business, at the end of the day, we are making sure that we're partnering with brands that we want to work with and only those that we genuinely believe in. I'm not bragging if I tell you we receive a ton of pitches each week for companies to work with. What I'm trying to explain is that we most of the time say no because it's not brands that resonate with our lifestyle. There are things that I use, that Betty White uses, that Jerry uses, and I will reach out to those companies and say, hey, we use this product. We really love it so much. We would love to work together. And so I rationalize it. I don't know if rationalizing, that's the question, but I don't know if rationalizing is um, the right thing to say. I'll just say that um, a minimalist lifestyle does not mean that you don't purchase things. We do purchase. We purchase things that we need and or bring us uh, joy in our life. And those partnerships are ones that we authentically and genuinely believe in. So that's the answer to that, <laughs> which kind of gets us in our next question. Arner Ventures is a business, right? How does it make money? Well, like I said earlier, Arner Ventures was never planned to be a business. I mean, it is registered as a business, tax ID, LLC, all that, but it was never meant to do that. You know, when we, I've told this story, I think on some other podcasts that we've been guests of, and I may have mentioned it on here, but when we made our big lifestyle change, I was, I was mentally not well, but, or I was on the road to recovering mentally, but I was also physically not well. And I am the queen of avoidance. And when I don't, I didn't want to address it anymore. I just didn't want to address any questions from people. What are you doing? Or are you guys crazy? You sold your house. You sold all your stuff. You sold the business. What What's going on? I just got tired of it. And so Jerry and I both write. We love writing. And we just decided to create, you know, arneradventures.com and just start blogging. We had no idea what we were doing. We just knew that we wanted to put our feelings out, our journey, what we were doing in a tiny home, you know, how how we were living if we sold all of our stuff. Um, you know, people would would found out that we were living in Beaufort and they'd want to come. And we were like, well, you can't stay with us. We only have 500 square feet. <laughs> and so then more people were interested in what we were doing. And so it was part of healing. You know, arnartventures.com 
Jerry and I call everything that we experience in life an adventure, whether it's good or bad. So it just made sense to call it Arner Adventures. And we started that down that path. And once, once the website started, you know, generating enough traffic where then I was like, oh, you know, you can make money off of blogging. And I learned through COVID about SEO with help from others. And, you know, we just, we needed to funnel that through a business. And that's how it's a business. How does it make money? It makes money off of uh, ads that are on our website. Because again, running a blog takes money. It costs money to have a domain. It costs money to have all of the things that even make a website. And there's a ton of other different, you know, little expenses that go along with all of this. So it makes a business mainly by the traffic on the website and the, you know, people who are interested in reading our content. We don't sell anything. I mean, currently right now, we don't sell anything. So that's it. I mean, the other ways are uh, brand collaborations. Again, ones that we believe in. And you know, some affiliate marketing, which is sort of like the brand collaboration. Sometimes when we really look, we love Liquid IV, okay? It it has saved my my mom's life. I mean, we we love Liquid IV. And so we reached out and we're like, hey, let's let's partner together because we're talking about it anyway. So that's how. That's how uh, it makes money. If you're interested, I can go more into depth on that, maybe on another episode if somebody's interested, but yeah, Arner Adventures is a business. Thank God. We're very, very grateful for it. Why don't you? Okay, this is a good one. This is a troll question that I get. I, Shannon, get a lot. No, I don't want to say a lot. I get enough of it to where I wanted to make sure I included it because people are so shitty, but I don't have anything to hide. Why don't you tell everyone that you had surgery to lose weight? I didn't. If I did, I would, honest to God, if I did, I probably would have uh, blogged about it the whole way. I would have filmed going to the visits. I would have shared that experience because there is nothing wrong with weight loss surgery. If someone wants to go and have weight loss surgery, go do it. Do whatever you need to, to save your life. And do whatever you need to, to have longevity. So I wouldn't have a problem telling anyone if I had weight loss surgery, but I'm not going to lie about it. I didn't have weight loss surgery. And it's interesting. The, the trolls that message that usually have just opened their account. So it's what's kind of disappointing is it's people we know, but they're hiding. So if you're listening to this and you're one of those people I would say uh, you're a coward because you should just ask me to my face, but I'll, I'll answer the question is that I did not have surgery to lose weight. If you know me, you know, I am terrified of surgeries anyway, but I lost my weight the way I've told you all that I lost it. It was through mentally healing myself. When we moved to Beaufort, I became more active. I had to walk a lot to keep my mental sanity. And I started intermittent fasting and I don't on the regular eat breakfast. I, I break the rule. It's not even a rule, but I eat breakfast when I travel. Other than that, I don't eat breakfast. I do the 16, eight intermittent fasting. I still do. And 
that's how I lost my weight. I mean, you know, again, there's nothing to hide about it. So trolls, there's your answer. I don't tell everyone because I didn't have surgery and there's nothing wrong with having surgery. So I don't know why you're hiding in the, underneath the bridge asking me that question. On to the next question. What advice can you give to people who struggle with pet loss? You get it, but most people don't. How did you do it? Well, this is tough. I mean, obviously, this is a another reason for my breakdown. I don't have another word for it. Uh, the most important thing that we can say about this is that you're not alone. It does feel like it. It feels like no one gets it because on a micro local level, people around you probably don't get it. You know, on a macro level, there are plenty of people who do, you know, we're two people who definitely get it. Jerry and I, I suffered terribly after Pharrell passed away. My, my senior dog, who it seemed so shocking to me that he would pass away, but he was almost 15 and looking at it now makes sense, of course, but when you're in it, you, and you're, you're a pet parent, you are losing your child and no, not everyone gets it. And you may be listening to this now saying, I, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't understand what she's talking about. And that's okay. You don't have to get it. But if you're listening to this and you ask that question, which we've received a number of times throughout the year since we started this, because we talk about it openly, uh, you're not alone. It does feel like people don't get it. I, I walked away from relationships where people told me he's just a dog and I don't talk to these people anymore. I can't have them in my life knowing that, that they said those things. If they don't get it, just, if you don't get it, just provide support for someone around you who does because loss is loss. You know, if it's your goldfish, if it's your child, if it's your fur child, if it's your neighbor, loss is loss. So whatever loss is for you, it might be detrimental for someone else and you may not think it's a big deal. So show some grace. But to answer that question, um, you know, how did I get through it? I don't think I've ever gotten through it. I think I'm still in the trenches every single day about it. You know, when Pharrell passed away and I just was so lost and so sick, just physically, mentally, I submitted an obituary to the newspaper where we lived and someone picked it up. Someone took a picture of it, put it online and it went viral. And that may seem like something that would be worse, but it actually wasn't because Pharrell and as well as Betty White uh, are rescues and our, the cats we had were rescues and we believe firmly in rescuing. So in the obituary, I had said something about, you know, for Pharrell's and Pharrell's memory and honor Pharrell, please adopt or volunteer um, at your local rescue. And it got, I mean, it, it went across the country, then it went to other countries. And we were getting these messages from people who got it. And so for me, I went a few weeks thinking no one in the world understood. I was so alone in this. I was agonizing over the grief. And then I fortunately was able to receive sort of a safety net, a comforting blanket around me of people from all over the world who had experienced this sadness and 
you know, just deep depression. Like I was, I was experiencing my point in saying that is, yeah, not everybody is going to have that happen, but you are not alone in it. And there are definitely resources that can help you get through it. Uh, one of the first things for me was, um, the veterinary hospital, it's at NC state here in North Carolina. They have a healing after loss counseling program that is, is free. I went to that and had 10 sessions that were complimentary with uh, a professional pet loss counselor. I graciously accepted that offer to do that. But then when it was over, I was still, you know, really struggling. And so then I went to a professional therapist and took that route. And the thing is, is, you know, same thing with people in your life. You have to find a therapist who gets it. I sort of feel like I go through an interview process with, with therapists and I had a couple of therapists who were those, those individuals who didn't get it. And if they don't get it, they're not going to be the therapist for you. Right. So you have to just not only look for, you know, a therapist who gets it, but there's often free mental health counseling services in each County. So you can call and ask about free services and then say, is there anybody who, you know, works with pet loss or pet, pet loss grief? You just need to talk about it and ask. You can also go to Mental Health Match. We've talked about that on the website before. It's a great platform that helps match you up with the therapist. I found my therapist through them after a long period of not finding a therapist, but I found my therapist. I know several other people who have found their therapist through Mental Health Match. We'll link it in the show notes. Um, you know, there was the episode, Tom Rose, he wrote balloon in a box. There's a, he wrote a great book about inspiring you to go on living when your loved one has passed. And I thought that was great too. I wish I would have had it in the beginning of my emotional loss journey, but you know, it's, it exists now. There's also, you know, other books. There's one called, I will see you in heaven. Friar Jack Wentz wrote that really good, a peaceful path. There's a workbook that we met the writers of that at a pet sitting professional pet sitting conference years ago. And I used to, when we had a client who would pass away, I would give their pet parent this workbook and I'd never done it myself. And I met them and thought, well, they're from the hospice industry. They get it. And I'd never done that, that workbook myself, but I did. And it was very helpful. So there's a lot of resources, but I would say Find your, your emotional support blanket because it does feel like not everybody gets it, but there are people who do. So, okay. Wrapping up on a couple more questions. Uh, you talk about boundaries and struggling with them. How do you keep your boundaries and are you better about it? Oh, yikes. Um, I have been so much better this year. I, Jerry and I both work on this. I'm just very open about my struggle with boundaries. I have just learned that it, if someone's going to be mad at me or unhappy that I'm not doing something or I'm not stopping everything and doing things for them or, you know, um, not committing to things that they want me to commit to, they're just they're just not someone that I should worry about my boundaries with. Right. Uh, my therapist told me I was, I was kind of given an example. This was the end of last year, kind of given an example of, you know, something about how there's, there was someone in my life who was just like pushing, pushing. 
And she said, but they have their boundaries. And I was like, no, no, they don't. How do they have boundaries? And she said, because their boundary is not dealing with certain conversations and then putting them on you. <laughs> and I was like, huh? Okay. So how do I keep them? It's a, it's a daily activity, a daily practice to uphold my boundaries. You know, I am I better about it? Yes, I'm definitely better, but it's a daily struggle. Just like, you know, depression or anxiety or the many other things or food and weight. There are many other things in my life that I struggle with and boundaries is one of them. And I've just decided that I'm just going to put my, my emotional and physical health first, because when I drop my boundaries and I allow those people, those things to enter my life that I don't want there, it, it really, it manifests itself in a way that is very unhealthy for me. And I recognize that. And so, yeah, I'll also link some resources down in the show notes too, that can help you with boundaries. If that's something that you struggle with. Okay. And then, you know, the last question is asking about routines and sort of self-care. We had a lot of those. I kind of put those together in one group. It's like, you know, how do you practice mindfulness even when you feel like you can't? Some people are like, how do you, you talk about self-care a lot. How do you do that even when you don't feel like you can do it? You know, this is a great way to wrap this up. But yesterday I was talking with someone who has been in my life for a number of years, but she we kind of just, you know, weren't, weren't in the same, I don't know. We, we just weren't as close. I guess when, when COVID hit, you know, you, you get your distance between you or whatever. And anyway, we sort of reconnected in a way. And she was saying how she feels like I have been, um, I don't know the words that she used, but it was something to the effect of, she felt like even when I had been super stressed in the past that I, was a little bit more laid back about it. And now when stress comes, I get really amped about it. And it, it really caused me to do a lot of thinking last night, today, and thinking about, I have come so far with my mental health and my physical health, which to me works one and the same, that I thought, wonder why I do that. And then she actually brought it up that I sort of feed off of other people. If someone creates a sense of urgency about something that may not have a, a true sense of urgency, I immediately take it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I get this done. I get this done. Oh, oh God, they think this is super important. I need to do that. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. If it's a client, if it's your boss, if it's a family member. And so at the end of the day, I think it comes back to boundaries I have, I have in place every single morning, I have a block of time that I am not to be bothered and I have everything turned off. Even if I don't feel like it, you know, I've not missed a morning walk in years. And it's, it's because I know what it has done for me. And the days that I don't practice mindfulness, self-care, are the days that I struggle more than others. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, the way that I do that is just to just do it, right? It's sort of like when people ask, how do you start a blog? You just do it. How do you start a podcast? You just do it. 
How do I, you know, put in something that I need every day for myself, yoga, meditation, walking, you just do it. You just do it. And it's great if you have support around you of people who will support you. If you don't, you know, you just got to do it for you. And the same person I was talking with yesterday said, life is so short. You never know when you're going to be sitting in a chair and close your eyes and you might not wake up. And that sounds terrible, but it's, it's the truth. We don't know if the big Mack truck is going to hit us this afternoon. We don't know what's coming our way. We can't sit around worrying about it. And this is me telling me, telling myself this, you can't sit around worrying about it because the worrying does not change anything, right? It doesn't change anything. So you just have to learn from the struggles that you've had and move forward and try to enjoy every single day. And yes, it is work sometimes to enjoy every single day, but you know, depression is not pretty. It's not cool. It's not something that, you know, I enjoy that I go through bouts of it. And I, I hate the anxiety that I have about certain things, but at the end of the day, I have to take care of me. And so even if I feel like shit, I'm still going to practice those things that will make my day a little bit better. So I guess we'll just sort of end it there. If you guys have any other questions, you know, I wish that Jerry could have answered these and had his take too. Maybe we'll do this another time. I think he would speak the same way that I do about many of these things. And, you know, I, I, I just hope that this podcast, like other episodes, resonates in some way. And if you know someone who, who you thought about when I was talking and you're like, oh, this person's really struggling with this, or let me tell this person, you know, that this is the, these are the things they can do or whatever, forward it to them, screenshot it to them, or, you know, tell them to listen. We would love that. As Jerry always says, we're wishing you lots of adventures and we'll see you next week.